There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real-life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo, and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. This is episode number eight. This is a big episode for me, and here's why. I started this podcast journey just a short while ago, and I told myself I want to create an episode every single week. And now that this is episode number eight, I've gone a full two months in building out this podcast. It has been a a great journey so far, albeit very short. I've learned so much from others about their journeys and how they got there. And I've also learned a lot about myself in that process. And to those of you who have joined me all the way through and have listened to the episodes, I hope you too have taken at least one thing away from these episodes. Without further ado, I'd like to invite the National Food Service Director for the Hershey Company, Herb Ring, the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Herb, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. You have built an incredible career in food service and one that I have always admired. And I know my father speaks highly of you and other people in the industry have always thought very highly of you. So excited to have you here and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Thank you. Those are very kind words. I appreciate that. So why don't we start off? How did you get into into the food service industry? That's a good question. Well, if I back up a little bit, I'm a third generation food service guy. Oh, wow. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side uh, was in the business. He started as a produce manager at a grocery store and had a little soda shop in there. And uh, my dad worked in there as a kid. Um, and he went off to World War II. And when he got back, um, he had uh, a little restaurant called the, uh, the Knife and Fork in Kentucky, Rhode Island. And he had that up until he had to go back uh, for the Korean War. And so he sold it. When he came back out, he, he repurchased it. Uh, eventually, he had the cup and saucer, very inventive names, I might add. <laughs> it was a coffee house. Um, and um, at any rate, so he got started. In, and then my father went on to do some great things. Uh, I'm a big admirer of his. Uh, he passed away in 09, but... Uh, mm. Probably, you know, besides running sports service, he ran the Olympics for Airmark at the time, ARA, wow. uh, in uh, L.A. In the, uh, for the Olympics uh, in 84, which was great because I got two weeks out there seeing all those events. Yeah, that's you know. awesome. But uh, I started out at 16 flipping burgers and Wendy's and wasn't getting any hours. Got a break. Uh, they sent me over to a location to close. Um one night because the guy needed some help and turned out that manager and I spent the night with him and and that manager um, evidently took a shine to my work because the next week he got transferred to our store and I went from having 10 hours a week to 40 hours a week. And so it kind of got built into me then. And then through the rest of high school and college, I worked in every fast food place except for McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of which are no longer with us like Burger Chef. Leading up to when I finished school, I got an offer, and it was really the only offer because it was 1982, and there weren't any jobs out, and uh, to sell cups and plates 
uh, paper cups and plates for a company called Lily Tulip, which no longer exists, uh, to compete against Sweetheart Cup. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but mm-hmm. we sold to Wendy McDonald's, a company called Racks, a variety of locations like that. We did all their, their packaging. I worked for them for about four and a half years and realized that I wasn't going to go anywhere with this uh, anywhere, anywhere quickly. Um, there was a gentleman who was the who had hired me. Um, he, he had moved on, and once that happened, I realized, yeah, I probably ought to look elsewhere. <laughs> and there was an opportunity to interview with Smuckers. And so I went up to Orville, Ohio, and uh, was the first interviewee and asked for the job. And eventually I got it and started out as a broker manager. And that's what they called him at the, at the time instead of agency manager. And I had uh, most of Ohio, Western PA, upstate New York, Kentucky, West Virginia. And I tell you what, I learned more in that job than any other job I had. I'm sure. Because I learned basic management skills, how to work with people, understanding the little things that you've got to do to work with an agency to get them to sell your product on a regular basis because you're constantly fighting for their time. And little things like helping clean up after a food show, Um, you know, showing up early to an appointment, you know, just basic stuff, but seemed to work. Then I got moved into a national account role after two years, and I was calling Airmarks at Exo, all the non-coms. A great experience also. Very difficult because, you know, we were selling portion control, jam and jelly, and peanut butter, mm-hmm. breakfast syrup. Not much, but a branded presentation to be put on the plate. And uh, so it also gave me some national travel experience, which I didn't think I would need. I thought travel was travel, and that's not the case. Right. But so I learned that a little bit. And after about two years, they asked me to run the western half of the United States. So I got moved out to uh, Monterey, California to work out of the Salinas, California plant. And did that for about seven years. And, and then there was a kind of a change in structure. The, the Smucker brothers, Tim and Richard, were starting to transition. Tim was probably in his early 60s. Richard was a couple years behind that. But they were staging people so that they could eventually move into their roles because they knew that one of the sons was going to be fifth generation and they had to get these people in between trained to run the company and train them. And so I got asked to, tra- uh, to train uh, Paul Smucker Wagstaff, um, which was Susie Smucker's son. And that's when I realized my name wasn't on the bill. So um, through a lot of changes, I left the company and a couple months later, I had an opportunity to interview with Hershey's and been with them since uh, January 04. And it's been a great ride. I've had a, a couple of great leaders through through my time. When I was at Smuckers, uh, there was a guy by the name Ed Downs. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He was the VP of sales, and we got, all, uh, got along very well. Uh, gentleman by the name Steve Stroud is actually the guy that kind of formed me into the person I am. And I can't thank Steve enough for that. Um, he really did some nice things for me. He's the he's the person that shipped me out to the West Coast. He's the person that brought me back. Nice. Um, he did all the right things by me, and he he cut me the slack I needed. You know, he's he's the first one to really teach me to go ahead and make a decision. Um, if you can't get a hold of me, make the decision and be able to explain the decision. You know, evaluate your options and get it done. And uh, that skill set took a while for me to get used to because I was always so used to being told what to do and it out and really expanded my ability to manage. And so, and then I got to work for the Hershey company and eventually got to work for a gentleman by the name of Dave Adorado. 
Dave and I had different styles. He's a great leader. Dave and I had different styles, and he would tell you that too. He was a rah-rah guy. Yeah. And while I'm a rah-rah guy, I'm not real vocal. And he is. And I tell you what, he can he can fire up a crowd like nobody's business. That's and, awesome. And what I loved about Dave was he said, Herb, I got two rules. Make your number and keep us both out of trouble, which I thought was hilarious <laughs> at first. And he said, no, I'm serious. And I said, okay. And so I got to run this business like it was, you know, well, he used to say the same thing. He said, Herb, you know, unfortunately, you've got a, a director title and you've got more experience uh, than anybody and you should be a DPGM, but it doesn't work that way. And I said, nah, sorry, right. everybody knows the money, so that's okay. But he really entrusted in me uh, the business. And, you know, I accepted that. I understood there's going to be highs and lows in it. Um, mostly highs or a few lows and probably learn more from the lows and the highs like everybody else. Sure. But uh, so it got me here to where I am today. I love that. So if we go back a little bit, you mentioned mm -hmm. when you got to the JM Smucker Company, one of your first roles was working with brokers and working with sales agencies. Um, yes. And you said one point of focus for you was how do I uh, get them to sell my product? What are some things that you did then and maybe even do now to motivate your, your sales teams? You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I believe that people buy from and sell for people they like. It's that simple. And, you know, when you, when you think about that more in depth, if you could just build a relationship with someone so they felt comfortable with the salespeople, you know, there's a hierarchy and they generally had to send a note to their boss who sent it maybe to somebody else in the agency and then sent it to me. You know, days could be lost, especially back then. And uh, I always used to say, hey, just call my office and voice me. Right. I'll get back to you. And they really appreciated that. They, they liked direct one-on-one. -on -one. And so it, it made it very easy for us. Yeah, definitely. You said as you moved along in your career, you met a gentleman named Steve and Dave Alvarado. And they taught you really how to make decisions, make your numbers. What was some of the wisdom that they imparted onto you and, and that you use, still use today? Well... <clears throat> Steve tried to get me out of my shell from being always worried about getting his approval before I did that because Fridays were the yeah. day I would talk to him. And, you know, I'd be in the office in Salinas, you know, 7.30 or so, and that's 10.30 East Coast time. And by then, Steve's well into his day. And I'd have a list of questions that I had to do. And so finally, after a couple of months, he said, okay, Let's go through the questions. We're going to do something a little different this time. Okay. Went through each one of the questions. And he said, you could have made that decision. You could have made that decision. You could have made that decision. And I went, okay. All right. I get it now. Um, he said, you have the thought process right. Trust your decision making. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. When I got to Dave Honorado, it was a little different in that he challenged me to think through the options and then the challenge back on some of the options. For instance, if a distributor had an ask, okay, that's fair. They, they, they need more money for something. Okay. What's my ask going to be of them? The good case in point was we were working with Food Buy and we were putting a program together on some confection items. 
And mm-hmm. they said they wanted an increased rebate. And I, my response was, okay, well, if that's the case, then I need you to force distribution across all district, uh, across these four items. And we haggled on that for a little bit and finally came to an agreement. And I went back to him and told him what I did as opposed to asking for permission. And at that point, he looked at me and said, okay, you're there. That's great. You know, that's when I knew I could be off and running. So you have an incredible position at the Hershey Company as the National Food Service Director. And there's other people out in the food service industry that would love to move up in their company or maybe start their own company. What is a strategy that you took or what are the tactics that you took to get to that level? Because it's difficult to do that. uh, And you've really achieved a lot in getting to the top at, at Hershey's. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, what I knew and who I knew, you know, because when I first came on board, I was the national sales manager, which is a step down from director. You know, there was a time and a place where it was appropriate for me to ask for that. And and part of it has to do with how, how many total sales dollars do you have in your division? Yeah. But more importantly, part of it has to do with who you know and I made a conscious effort of following something that Paul Smucker once said to me, and Paul was Richard and Tim's father and a brilliant man. And Paul was old school. Paul managed by walking around, <laughs> which eventually became a problem because he was walking around in the plants and, you know, safety issue. But he would talk to people on the line. They would come to his office and he would have his door open for anybody that wanted to show up because he wanted to meet the people he worked with. And I thought, you know what, I should actually get to know some folks in this building. My office, because of when I landed there, there was no room on the fifth floor for another salesperson to have an office because of a timing thing. So they had me in an office outside the finance department on the second floor for the first year I was there. And I found out very quickly that the finance folks drove a lot of decisions at Hershey. Similar to what Smuckers did, but it was really driven by the marketing department telling the finance department what they were going to do. Whereas in our company, it was a combination of people talking through the issues and, and getting through. But if you didn't know them, you didn't know who to go to, you couldn't get any work. But now I know those folks and I can pick up the phone and I can send a quick chat message or whatever it is to these folks to get the work done. Um, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing in increasing your circle mm-hmm. of, of, industry friends, um, and then company friends to help you achieve what you want your goals to be. But you also have to know what your goals are before you can start to achieve them. I think a lot of people, you know, you have annual goals. Yes, you got to make your numbers. you got to make your margin, all those things. But what do you want to do with your career? And I'll be honest with you, when I first started out, it was actually uh, February of 83 when I first started, but... Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was lucky to have a job. But I realized, you know what? If you don't take control of your career, nobody else is going to do it for you. They're not going to hand it to you. And uh, that's when I started pursuing other things and landed at Smokers. And very similar to if you go to today, you know, we're, we're finishing up a, a three-year strat plan that we're going to provide to the company in another couple of months. We have to set those goals. And part of those goals are really what the personnel how we're going to layer the succession plan and understanding what people want to do. So I'm asking the same question of my people that you just asked of me in that 
but twisted in that I want to know what they want to do. Nobody ever came to me and said, Herb, what do you want to do when you grow up? I always had, if anybody did, which I think it happened once, I just said, I want to make the, when I walk into, when I leave a room, I want to make it a better place than when I walked into it. It could be literally just you make a presentation and you clean up after yourself or, you know, you have some knowledge that you want to impart or gain from the people you're talking to. That is very profound. I, I love what you said about layering uh, your succession plan. When you're interviewing and looking for new team members and talent to join your team, what do you look for? Well, old school Herb would tell you somebody that keeps their shoe shined and, um, you know, <laughs> shirt pressed and part of that's still true but i'm i'm really looking for somebody that's conscientious i feel like if they are conscientious they will work to get the job done and they will ask for help when they need it and they will thank the people that help them those kind of people always seem to have the right mix of talents for me i don't know why uh, but they do and they always come to get work done and have fun doing it. They really, they just understand what they need to do. Um, and I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it, but it's really, I look for people that are conscientious. I love that. I, I, I think, I think I call it like, uh, like being perceptive, like people who can feel and be empathetic towards others. Have you noticed since you started at the Hershey Company in 2004 to now, has the new team members that come in, have they changed? Are they different now than what they used to be? Or is it very similar to how it's always been? Well, it was interesting because I got a break. You know, for years, they had a food service division, but it was, it reported into the guy that was the director of vending, concession, and fundraising. Because at the time... That was the bigger portion of the business. You know, vending was huge back then. A lot of candy went through there. Same thing with concessions, same thing with fundraising. Food service was this little tiny piece of business, but they thought that there was potential. Uh, the gentleman that hired me, a guy by the name of Walt Woods, who um, I learned a lot from. We bumped heads a little bit, but I learned an awful lot from him. Taught me the company decided he was going to go ahead and break it out. And they just had a reorganization in uh, 03, in August of 03. And they started looking in the fall of 04 for somebody to run food service. And that's when I caught wind of it. And I applied and I was given the role. And I had six people, two of which had some uh, food service experience. It's, in fact, one was the former national sales manager for the company. And then one was a national account person. But the other four only had agency experience. They managed both retail and food service brokers. And um, I'll never forget when I was first meeting the group, I'm calling everybody um, and I'd set up calls just to understand who they were. And there was one gentleman, I, I just, I said, so how much experience do you have in food service? And he said, well, let me explain it to you this way, Herb. I've got six food service brokers. And on Friday, three o'clock, I pick one, I call them and pray they have no problems for the week. And I said, okay. <laughs> um, and I thought, okay, that's, that's different. You know, if you fast forward to today, we've got 10 in sales, two in culinary, one in marketing, 
couple in sales planning, but they dotted line report to me. They don't report to me. And it's a whole different look because when I first joined, with the exception of one lady, it was everybody looked like me. You know, a little bit older, white, very down home, but from different parts of the country. Sure. And now if you take a look at our team, it's it's diverse, it's younger. I mean, we've made a conscious effort to to look both inside and outside the building when we're hiring for a position. Uh, we've been able to expand because of growth. We now have a fully dedicated team to agencies. We've got three people across uh, the core group that we're working with right now. And they all report into a national sales manager and then another national sales manager that has five people reporting to him that are geared across the top 100. So the look of the group is completely different. And, and I would tell you that the, the vibe is much different. You talk about people that were coming out of the eighties and the nineties, you know, that understood that a martini lunch wasn't a bad thing. Cause we never did that at Smucker's and I certainly wasn't going to let it happen at Hershey, but right. But yeah, it's, it's completely different. I love it. I, I tell you, I'm blessed. Uh, every year I say this team can't get any better. And then somebody gets promoted. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, whatever. I mean, this, this summer we had, we had a promotion to the Amplify division. We had someone retire. We had someone go away because they got an offer they couldn't refuse, $52,000 raise. Wow. Um, which I fired him had he not taken it for being stupid. Yeah, no but, kidding. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, another person, uh, got promoted. So within a very short period of time, I had four openings, but which was difficult for the rest of the team, but it enabled me to really change the dynamic of this team. And so we brought in a combination of experiences for the role. Had somebody that was working in the convenience store division that grew up working in Applebee's and never knew we had a food service division when he first started. But once he did, he kept raising his hand saying, hey, I'm here. I understand food service and had some other folks, uh, the, the young lady that's running our agency side of the business as a sales manager grew up in the restaurant business. Her family owns the favorite Italian restaurant of ours down the street. So, I mean, it was a good mix of people and it was good to be able to turn it over. You know, building culture is not something that happens like boom. You get, and especially in times of COVID. Totally. We've put together a system where, you know, there's backups to backups and it causes people to interact and causes people to ask questions. And what I didn't realize when we were doing this, and I, and I thank uh, Al Adams, who runs our national account business and marketing. But what I didn't realize at the time was also building culture. These guys are talking to each other all the time. And 50% of the time, it's about business which is great, allows them to get to know each other so that when we do get together three, four times a year, it's like old homework. So, um, and that wasn't the case when we first started back in 04. Um, everybody knew each other, but it was like the old Boston Red Sox, you know, they'd finish a game and 26 cabs would show up. And the same thing here, we'd have six, you know, so... And I was going to say, you mentioned bringing in people from with restaurant experience, maybe not in food service sales experience. When they come to your company and to your team, how do you train them? How do you empower them to reach their potential? 
if they haven't had any food service experience, which we've hired some people like that, we uh, start them out with IFMA's food service fundamentals. Um, so oh. they, you know, it's that one day course where you can take, now you can take it online. I personally want them to, and, and you can also take it in person now. We're past COVID on that sense. But that enables them to not only get a good understanding of food service, but also to meet a few people that they may keep tabs with along the way, right? Uh, because you not only want to build your network in Hershey, you want to build your network in the industry. And we talk a lot about that. We have a very precise training program and, you know, product knowledge, you know, how to handle billbacks, all that stuff. And then I look at them and say, okay, I'm not going to hold your hand. I want you to go out and skin your knee and come back and tell me what you did to fix it. And um, a lot of times they're shocked. Um, in certain instances, they're like, thank God I have something like this. And thank God I had Dave on Robert teaching me that. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a wonderful job with that stuff. So you mentioned the IFMA Food Service Fundamentals course. That's a good segue into IFMA itself. I believe you're the chairman of the IFMA Board of Directors. What does your role entail, and what is your vision for the organization as we go into 2023? Well, uh, you know, as chair, I'm I'm running the executive committee. I'm also running the the meetings, but I'm really just oversight, as is the executive committee of the organization itself. Um, we don't, at least, I don't allow us. I don't want us to be in the details. I mean, we're looking at policy changes, at governance, uh, at at big ideas. So one of the things that was near and dear to my heart was our initiative around DE&I. Um, our organization, the Hershey Company, has done a wonderful job since Michelle Buck took, took over, really changing who we are to be like the consumer that we sell. And we've gotten numerous awards. Most recently, the one we're most friendly company for women to work. Huh? We have 50% of our sales leaders are females. And so we had started that, you know, because I've been on IFMA committees since I was part of the board starting in 2017 and progressed through the system. And we had started that pre-COVID, but during COVID, it stalled. So coming out of COVID this year, that was probably first and foremost, let's ratchet this back up. Because not only do we have to make ourselves as an organization look like the consumers that we are selling, Obviously, mm-hmm. very important. But more importantly, we have to have the, the guidance for the IFMA team and be able to publish and under, for people to understand what we believe in as far as DE&I. And we're well on our way on that. You know, we're also in the process of finalizing our three-year strat plan. I happen to be doing two at the same time, which is always interesting. One for the company, one for the industry. But um, sure. it's really exciting to me, too. And uh, I'm I'm just really grateful for the people that I get to work with. Mm-hmm. Perry Mealy at Nestle, Hugh Roth at Pepsi, you know, uh, Ben Wexler at Custom Culinary, all great people, Terry Trollinger, Cargill, all great people. And, you know, the beauty is, is you know, there's, there's not an alpha in the room. I mean, sure. or there's all alphas in the room, depending on how you take, yeah. take a look at it. <laughs> it's really about understanding what we want to try to accomplish. And we all held hands. And I came up through the system when Perry was uh, the chair during 2000. Hugh was the chair during 2021. 
I'm the chair in 22. And because of some things with someone that was supposed to follow me, they've asked me to be the chair in 23, which I'm, I'm excited to do because I can complete the three year strat plan and, and make sure that DE and I gets to where we want it to be, you know, so, um, but I'm blessed to be part of this organization and, and I'm more importantly, I'm blessed that the Hershey company allows me to take the time to get back to the industry because it's always been the one thing that I wanted to do that my father always said, shoot, I, sh- I missed that part of it. He said, mm-hmm. I was always stone operations guy, get the work done, make the number, get home, see the family. He didn't spend time on the industry stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take it one step further. Mm-hmm. And so I stuck my hand up and I really enjoyed it. Going a little deeper into DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You mentioned that, you know, you want your organization or organizations to be and look more like the consumers that you sell to. What are some first steps a company can take to get more into DEI? Well, I, I think you have to be, you have to understand what you need to do to accomplish that, right? So, sure. so for instance, when you're interviewing for an open role, you've got to have a diverse slate. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, a lot of times that didn't happen. And, you know, our organization is moving away from when I first started uh, at the Hershey Company, people just got tapped on the shoulder. Somebody had this grand list of succession planning across all the roles. And generally, you would get tapped on the shoulder, especially for a leadership position. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it extends down to a senior manager role or or even a national account person, then that had to change. And they've changed it. And I got to credit our HR department. They've really gone out of their way to make sure that we know as an organization who the up-and-comers are. So every year during our leaders meeting in December, during the national sales meeting in May, during another leaders meeting in the fall, we go through all the people at every grade. They're really knocking at debt because a lot of these folks, I don't know. I mean, they could be in convenience store in LA. I, chances of meeting them, are, but they may have aspirations to be in food service. That's how I found out about you know, Josh Cooley who came over from convenience store trade for us and he's joined us and now moved to Dallas. You know, that they've taken the steps to make sure that we understand who's available, what they want to do, mm-hmm. what they're capable of doing, and making sure that we know that on a regular basis. Because things can change, right? Right. You know, you can go in between those those three meetings, people get hired into another role, they get promoted, whatever it is. And you may be thinking about them for an opportunity and well, they've already moved on. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that that's a basic step that you have to do, but you also as an organization have to be purposeful of taking that forward leap, mm-hmm. make 50% of the, the leaders in sales are female or people of color. Because if you don't, it, it's just, it's just blah, blah, blah. You're giving a lip service. You're not doing the right thing. So you do have to be purposeful and you have to let the company know that this is the path we're going to take. And I tell you, when people saw that Michelle was changing that, you know, I don't know about, I always thought it was a great move. 
because we do. You do have to be, have to look like the, the folks that you're serving. It just doesn't make any other sense, any other right. way. Right? What are some of the positive changes your organization has seen as a whole since moving away from just tapping someone on the shoulder to interviewing and promoting a more diverse slate of people? Hasn't been anything like falling off the cliff change. Sure. It's been more subtle. HR has done a great job of pulsing out the information through email, through town halls, talking about it in individual conversations. And what I really loved is Michelle Buck has been on a listening tour for five years. <laughs> and she took over as CEO. And she will meet with folks during various meetings, be it either at the plant level or it's a national sales meeting or whatever. And you'll sit down and have lunch with her and she'll basically say what's on your mind. And what I love about her is she just wants to know what's on your mind. There's no preset agenda. You're not given a set of questions that you want to get answered. And that in itself sets a tone that she's open to hearing what the teams have to say. And that inclusiveness makes it so important for the rest of the company in that she's understanding and listening to what you have to say. Herb, if you could look into the future and reflect on your time in food service, how do you want to be remembered or what legacy do you want to leave? You know, I just recently got asked this and I hadn't thought about it. You know, certainly I want to be known as a good family man. I, I do want to be known as someone that made the situation better. I want to be known as someone that people want to work for and work with. And most importantly, I just want everybody to know how much of a great role this is for me. You know, my father once told me, if you can find a job that you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I would say my legacy is I've never had to work a day in my life. I love that. Herb, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. I've really enjoyed our discussion and I've learned a lot from you as well. And I look forward to great 2023 and what you have in stores for IFMA and Hershey's and your family. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for the time. Please say hello to your dad for me. Definitely will. Thank you, Herb. All right, Nick. Take care.